It is often said that we are one of the richest nations in the world. I'm not so sure about that. Years ago, I attended a talk given by now St. Teresa of Calcutta when she came to Washington, D.C., where I was doing my graduate studies. She spoke at the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception, which is on the campus of the Catholic University of America. And here was this diminutive nun standing in this sanctuary of this massive church that, by the way, is designed to sit up to 10,000 people. And the church was packed to the rafters. But one of her comments really struck me. We Americans, she said, suffer from a poverty of love because we alienate ourselves from divine love. The more I thought about it, the more sense it made. We avoid divine love. We're comfortable going through the motions of worship, but we want to really avoid divine love. Why? I suggest two reasons. One, we do not really listen to the word of God as it is a living reality. Two, we are afraid of divine love, and rightly so, because we instinctively know it comes with a cost. We do not listen to the word of God as it is, a living reality. When we listen to the scriptures, we hear the words, but do we know whose voice it is? During the consecration, we listen to the words, but do we know whose voice it is? You see, the one we hear is not the lector proclaiming the scriptures or the priest proclaiming the gospel. In the act of consecration, the one we hear is not the priest or the bishop. The one whose voice we hear is the Lord's, the supreme reality. The lector, the priest, the bishop are nothing more than instruments, agents. It is divine love who is speaking to us. And what is God saying? His word to us is love. The one undivided love he shares within himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. As Father, he tells us, I love you so much, I created you out of nothing. And I created you for eternity. I do not need you. I simply wish to share my glory with you. I love you for no other reason than I chose to love you. And once I make that choice, the choice is eternal. But so often you pay lip service to my love, as if my love is a pleasant idea, a nice theory to think about from time to time, but otherwise has nothing to do with your daily life when it's the most real thing there could possibly be. 
as son. He tells us, it was not enough that I created you, that I sent you prophets, that I forgave your sins over and over again and renewed covenants with you, even though I knew you would violate them. So I chose to come into this world as one of you, to suffer as you do, to experience humiliation and rejection as you do, to die as you do. I died so you could live abundantly in this world and in the next. I rose from the dead so you will not be entombed forever in your graves. My love for you is more powerful than any sin you could possibly commit. My love enlightens any darkness you find yourself ensnared in, whether it's of your making or that of another. And yet so often you ignore me. You isolate me from your life. His Holy Spirit, he tells us, it was not enough that I created you. It was not enough that I redeemed you, that I lifted you out of the bondages of sin and death. I also bring you liberation from all your illusions, your falsehoods, your theories with the truth of who I am and how much I love you. And that truth is your dignity. It is your destiny. When you find yourself wanting to pray, it is I who am working within your soul, and at last you are responding to the nature that I gave you. When you find yourself in awe of the glory of creation, it is I who provoke your awe, so you will praise me. And in praising me again, you honor the nature I designed you with. When you wander away from divine love, when you fall into sin, it is I who prick your conscience not to condemn you, but so you will choose to return to me, find security in me, and the joy that I created you for. We are afraid of this divine love for two reasons. First, we're control freaks and we cannot control divine love. We cannot earn it. We cannot merit it. We could never deserve it. It is simply an abundant, lavish gift waiting for our response. Even if we spend our lives refusing divine love right up to our last breath, ultimately choosing an eternity without God, we are powerless to stop him from loving us because, his, because loving is his nature. It is his essence. To love comprises the very fabric of God's being. I often think this fear of divine love over which we have no control is the quiet genesis of all the excuses we make to avoid church. 
In the Word and in the Eucharist, the mystery of divine love is always unfolding itself, always seeking to embrace us. But instead, we allow other things that we can control to become our excuses to avoid this love and its requirement. Our jobs, our hobbies. I really need to sleep in today. I really need to spend more time with my friends. I don't like the priest. Ah, there are some parishioners I really don't like. Any excuse to avoid the embrace of divine love. The second reason we are afraid of divine love, we instinctively know it comes with a cost. And what is that cost? It will change us and our fallen nature resists fears change i enjoy working with engaged couples in the marriage preparation program and all our couples we have one married couple here right now and can testify to this i won't pick on them but their last name begins with c and ends with o They take a test in which they have to agree, disagree, or unsure about 150 statements. And one of those statements reads, there are some habits or behaviors of my future spouse that sometimes annoy me. Now I realize that doesn't apply to any of the married people here, I understand that. Usually that session leads to a lot of laughter and a little embarrassment but also a critical insight that there is a need to change. But then comes the critical lesson. No one has the power to change another person. One must choose to allow the love one shares with the beloved to change oneself. Every married couple knows from experience that isn't done just once, but throughout the course of married life, and it can be difficult, perhaps even painful, but it is absolutely necessary. That is what divine love does to us. God loves us intimately from the moment of our conception, but it is a love that is always compelling us to growth, to maturity, to wisdom, and that is not always easy, not always pleasant but always necessary. Divine love always calls us to change, and we must accept that change is essential if we are to complete this life's journey well. We can have all the material possessions possible. We can accumulate all the money we think we may need. We can surround ourselves with as many friends as possible. But until we surrender to divine love and all its transforming power, we shall suffer a debilitating poverty of love.